Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. I wanted to bring you this bonus episode of my chat with my mate and leading economist, Stephen Kokoulis. Kooky, welcome back, mate. Thank you, Mark. Good to be back. Really high-level, intriguing shit that's going on at the moment. Like, So I just want to start off with Jerome Powell, okay? Can we just start with Jerome Powell now? He is the head of the Federal Reserve in the US. That's the biggest, in, um, you know, the biggest economy in the world, maybe, or second largest at least, but probably the most influential economy in the world at the moment. And last week, he hit him up with another 0.75 of a percent, uh, which, you know, it's pretty radical. He's done a lot of 0.75s. It's uh, really got them all, all the chins wagging there. And he sort of made an indication that at the end of the day, ruthlessly, he doesn't give a shit whether a recession turns up or not. He's just going to make sure it controls inflation. How influential is that on our Reserve Bank government? Let's just talk about yeah. that whole concept. Should we have a recession? Yeah, great question. And I think in the context of what the US is doing and Jerome Powell, the head of the US Central Bank, did and said, more importantly what he said actually, he realised that the US has a serious inflation problem. Even though the last couple of months it's inched down a little bit, hey, it's still around about 8%. That's way above their 2% target. And he said that to, to get that inflation rate back to target in a reasonable time, and even that's 18 months, so it's not like they're going to get it there early next year, it's sort of the end of next year, he needs to slam on policy tightenings, i.e. more interest rate hikes, and if that means the economy stalls, goes backward, a recession, uh, and the unemployment rate goes up as a result, he's willing to pay that price, because he reckons, and a lot of other economists agree with him, by the way, that the, uh, that the biggest problem you can have in an economy is high inflation there for a long time, as opposed to a short, sharp recession. That's the trade-off he's talking about right now. That's very interesting. So if I just wheel you back, 1991, <laughs> yes. we had inflation, I think it was around about 5.76%, that territory, around the territory, right? And it was high for us, okay? Um, and we had quite a few problems, and Australia had quite a few problems. We had bank problems, Westpac had a few issues, a lot of stuff was going on. And famously, um, I think he was our treasurer at the time, he may have been promised, but Paul Keating said... Um, we this is the, we went into a recession a little bit after that, and he said that's the recession, or this is the recession we had to have. And, of course, he got publicly criticised for saying something along those lines. Then, at that time, McFarlane was the head of the Reserve Bank in Australia. Correct. Some years later, 
I read, I remember reading this, I can't give you the page or whatever, but I remember reading McFarlane saying, some years after he retired, saying that the only way he thought we could actually control inflation back in 1991, when Keating made this statement, was to increase interest rates and have a recession. Yep. Now, uh, uh, that's in hindsight he said that, okay? Um, you know, so maybe it's not that bad having to have a recession. Tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, look, in a way, the label of a recession sort of is all emotive and, oh, it's bad and it's nasty. That What a recession means in, in another language is we need a weak economy for a period of time. Now, whether that means GDP is plus 0.1 for two quarters or minus 0.1 for two quarters, one of them is a recession, one of them is not, but they've both got the economy pretty poor shape. But when you've got inflation so high, and back in the early 90s or in the late 80s even, we had uh, a silly, I'll call it a silly, commercial property boom. You remember Alan Bond and yeah. Christopher Scase paying you know, mega bucks and you know Kerry Packer selling um, uh, his, his stuff to Alan Bond for crazy prices. They were bidding any amount of money. So we had this real, not just an inflation bubble, but we had a, a ridiculous asset bubble. Commercial property it was mainly. And so the Reserve Bank kept slamming on rate hike after rate hike after rate hike because it wouldn't burst. And then all of a sudden, of course, there was the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. 17.5%. Correct. Was the cash 17 rate. 17.5%. My God. Cash rate. In, a cash rate. Put that into your mortgage calculator yeah. now, folks, and you'll you'll be sick. Um, but 17.5%, <laughs> Steve, with a, a 6% inflation rate. Now, work it out. Yeah. How's that work? And guess what happened, Mark? We had a recession. It, yep. took, it probably took... As I said, the straw that broke the camel's back was that last couple of rate hikes from 15 to 16 to 17. Bang. Then it was the recession we had to have. And and this is the really interesting thing when we look back at that period of history. I think uh, the former governor, uh, Ian McFarland, was, was right that we would not have corralled those asset bubbles and the inflation rate without the economy weakening markedly. And in fact, if you look through the 1990s, the 2000s, and even the 2010s up until COVID came along and, you know, and those sort of things, Australia did enjoy effectively 26, 27 years where inflation did average between 2 and 3%. The previous two decades, it averaged 6, 7, 8, 9%. Mm. What was the legacy of that sustained low inflation rate of 2 to 3%? A structural lowering in interest rates. What did that lead to? Strong grains in house prices. Australians, we're reading the paper just last week, are the wealthiest people, among the wealthiest yep. people in the world. And it's not just housing, it's because of super and a whole lot of other things that have happened. So in a sense, that was the catalyst to sort of squeeze out the badness in the economy. Yes, it was painful. Unemployment did go to 11%. And I hear when we talk about that early 90s recession, people saying, my business went bust. I really hurt in that recession, and that's true. However, from a macro perspective, it did squeeze out the badness in the economy, and we had a couple of decades of decent economic outcomes after it. So when we look at um, uh, what the Reserve Bank's doing with interest rates, it's trying to control – I want to go beyond this. It's, it, it, it's saying I want to get inflation back down to the nice 2 to 3% band, the way where it was, as you say, in the mid-'90s, and – uh, sustainably right through to now, more recently. It's been in that band for 20, 30, 25 years, 30 years maybe. Yep. With good growth as well. We've had good GDP yep. as well. Yep. So, but that's not really what the Reserve Bank is trying to do with interest rate uh, changes. Really what the Reserve Bank is trying to do here is change people's behaviour. They they're not trying to get just the outcome. They're trying to get the outcome by changing your behaviour. This is a real psychological game. If I want to change someone's behaviour, 
you know, my kids when they were little, I Scare would them. I, I would do something. I'd take something from them or yeah. put them somewhere, stand, stand in the corner or uh, deny them something. Or, you can't or, have your ice cream after Withdraw a freedom or something. your broccoli. Yeah, yeah correct. <laughs> so that's how yeah. we change the yeah. behaviour. We change the behaviour of prisoners by putting them in jail. Well, certainly do. Okay? Yep. So here we have a team of economists and some behavioural scientists too, I hope, sitting there in the Reserve Bank here in Martin Place, trying to change the behaviour of a cohort of people in Australia. And it's not just mortgage holders, but they're trying to change the other one, the other people's behaviour, the people who don't have any interest yep. or maybe earning interest. How do they change their behaviour? Yeah. Tell me that. I mean, what, I mean, you're an economist, mate. Yep. How does behavioural economics... Solve this problem. I'll go back to John Maynard Keynes. For those of you interested, animal spirits. Remember his discussion yep. about the animal spirits in an economy. And that is, and again, if we go back to various times on interest rates, when interest rates were 15% in the late 80s, house prices were going up at 25%. Now interest rates are 2.5%, the official interest rates, and house prices are falling. What's happening? Sentiment's changing. So this animal spirits and the, and the behaviour of both mortgage holders or potential home buyers, uh, savers, retirees with a bit of money in the bank, the business sector. That we shouldn't forget businesses have debt too, that they rely on the debt capital markets to borrow to build a new mine or to build a new factory. You know, interest rates are really, really important for them as well. So what the Reserve Bank are doing with their action, hiking rates, but also with their rhetoric. You know, I reckon in the last couple of months we've heard Dr Lowe, the governor of the RBA, uh, Michelle Bullock, who's the recently appointed Deputy Governor of the RBA, they've given a lot more speeches than they used to. I think they've decided, look, we've got to come out and talk to the people. Now, not everybody watches the, the YouTube channel of the Governor of the well, RBA. they listen speaking, to us, mate. But they listen to us because we were all good at it. Yep. I, you know, I, I live by that sort of stuff. And I try to interpret it, you try to interpret it. And that's where the message gets through. And they're sort of saying that, you know, we... We don't like high inflation. It is a costly thing. You know, cost of living pressures, uh, that's uh, more, what do we call it, a uh, colloquial way of saying uh, high inflation. The fact that your prices of everything you're buying is going up at 6%, soon to be 7 8%, I think, when we get the next couple of, uh, well, monthly numbers coming through. Um, that's the cost of living pressure. That's inflation. So if we get inflation back down to 2 to 3%, which I hope we do, which the RBA is thumping the table saying we're going to achieve that, then even if wages are only going at three and a half or four, all of a sudden my real wages are going up. And that's what the RBA is trying to achieve, lower inflation. And if it causes a bit of pain along the way, like the doctor did in the incision to cut that nasty lump out of your, out of your body, they've got to make the incision uh, and that's what the RBA is doing. Bit of pain now for hopefully long-term gain. But do you think, but do you think that those people who... You know, the average age of a borrower in Australia is now 34 years of age. Um, so those people who, let's, you know, just look at averages. Just look at, look at all those people who are under 34 years of age, you know, it's just quite, quite correct, but anyway, um, who don't have any debt, just say, well, you know what, I've, I've, the unemployment number is so low, I've managed to get two jobs. I now yeah. work uh, Monday to Friday in one job and I work, uh, you know, Thursday night, Wednesday night and uh, Saturday afternoon in another job. Um, I've had all my all my wages per hourly rates gone up yeah. because you know there's there's so much pressure on the employer that they have to pay me more money. Um, I don't have a mortgage, so I don't have any interest to pay. I don't even have any borrowings. I don't. I didn't buy a car, whatever. I, I, I use Ubers. 
Um, I've got plenty of money to spend. Yeah. How does the Reserve Bank governor change their behaviour? And it's it, a bigger percentage now yes, than it ever has before, and we've got a is. big uh, a older population who got their money on deposit. Money in the bank with superannuation, correct. House paid off. So, so in, a, in a funny way, this is the other thing, because we always look at, well, we always, we generally look at interest rates as a stick, as in we're going to put them up and we're going to make you pay more money on your mortgage, on your borrowing, on your business loan. It can also be looked at as a carrot, as an incentive to save. So when interest rates are zero or near zero, uh, you might think, oh, I've got this money, oh, put it in the bank, and after a year I get basically no interest. So what am I going to do? I'm going to have that holiday. I'm going to buy that racehorse. I'm going to do something crazy with my money because I'm getting no interest. If interest rates start going up to 2%, there's deposit rates, yep. 3%, maybe some of the financial institutions offer 35 you might think, oh, hang on. Well, one bank's offering 4% Four, right Wow. Yep. I, I, gee, that's yep. pretty, uh, to me, online, that's pretty one generous. One of the online banks, I think it's ING, one of them. Yeah, well, to me, that's pretty generous. Mm. So if I can put my, my savings and get 4%, hang on, I'm going to stop spending. I won't buy that holiday, those crazy things I was going to buy when I'm getting no interest. So it's actually a carrot, an incentive to save money. So those people who are under 34, you know, footloose and fancy free, getting a pay rise, I've got no mortgage, I'm doing okay. All the retirees with you know, decent amounts of money in their super in term deposits, they might think, well, if I can get 4% sticking my money in the bank, I'll postpone that holiday and I'll go on the holiday on the interest that I earn this time next year. Right, okay. So so there will be a sort of a temporary hiatus in the spending patterns because people Correct. are more encouraged to save. It hits both borrowers. Yep. You know, we, we're forking out an extra few hundred bucks per month on our mortgage, but it also encourages savers thinking, well, I'll postpone that decision to buy a new car. I'll wait another year because I can now get 4% interest on my savings. So, so I get that. Um, theoretically, I get that. But there's an, the assumption in relation to those people under 34 as opposed to perhaps the more, let's call it, you know, uh, considered older adults who probably already got most things they need anyway, but the younger people haven't got anything. Yeah. And they also say, well, what's the point of saving? I don't give a shit about saving. A lot of young people don't care about that. They're not, they don't care. Is there, do, does the Reserve Bank go out and do assessments of this or research to see if that part of the formula is actually working? In other words, the interest rates are high enough to encourage young people to stop spending and to put their money in the bank. The short answer is not really. They don't break it down to that degree of detail. They look at the, what do we call it, the aggregate savings level, and they can see whether savings are going up or down, but they don't know whether it's you or me saving or that 25-year-old young person got a good job earning a few bucks where they go out and spend it. So they know the national savings, but not necessarily the ind- the individual age cohorts. So they judge that, and they look at that, and they can see who's borrowing as well. They actually get better information on borrowings they can actually get from APRA and the other regulators who who's borrowing uh, and they can use that to sort of see well who, is it uh, people who are approaching the age of 65 have still got a mortgage that's an issue you don't want to retire with a mortgage because you, you, know, you can't retire you've got to make your repayments every month so they look at all that sort of stuff and judge the economy but at the end of the day the Reserve Bank only have one interest rate and whether you're a 65 year old with a mortgage or a 70 year old with money in the bank on savings or a 25 year old footloose and fancy free, um, you know, they only have the one interest rate for the whole economy and, and that's why in economics, um, unfortunately, there are also always winners and losers when interest rates go up and when they go down. There's always some people, some people complain when interest rates go down. The savers, oh yeah. gee, I'm getting less money on my savings now. 
It's, it's, it's sort of that's why they keep referring it to as a blunt instrument. Correct. Because it's definitely not perfect, and Correct. someone always gets hurt, and yep. it's always going to be someone else gains. And to some extent, we just we all just got to sit back and just cop it sweet because <laughs> they, the, these organisations are going to determine who suffers and who doesn't suffer, who yep. and who benefits and who doesn't benefit. And we're all caught up in this. And the other thing to remember too, Mark, is that Australia is wonderful and as big as we are, we are only a small player in the international economy. What is happening in the US as we started off this conversation, but what's happening in China? What's happening in, well, the UK? They've had a, well, in my view, a crazy policy. The British pound's been smashed. They're in real trouble. Eurozone, Russia-Ukraine war with gas prices in Germany and France and Italy. You know, what happens in the world economy is also important to us. The Reserve Bank can't control that. The government, Jim Chalmers as treasurer, or it was Josh Frydenberg a few months ago as treasurer, they can't control what's happening in the global economy. They, they Australia cops it, both good and bad. Uh, and you've got this sort of scenario where the Reserve Bank, yep, they set interest rates for you know the local economy, but then Jerome Powell at the Fed does something. Uh, Russia invades Ukraine. Uh, China has a lockdown for, for COVID reasons, or heaven forbid, some tension with Taiwan. You know, we're just caught in the backwash of all that stuff as well. So it's just another complicating factor for, you know, when you're setting policy. Speaking of complicating things, let's simplify it, okay? I remember years ago when you were the AFR, you were the chief economics editor, I think, at the time, and you used to do a, a table once a month just before the Reserve Bank met, and then you had columns, and the columns were uh, rise, steady, or reduction. In other words, Rise in interest rates, no interest rate change, steady or a reduction in interest rate. That's reducing interest rates. Then you in your rows, you had uh, GDP, inflation, unemployment, international uh, affairs or things that affect international you know, price rises, etc. Um, commodity index for Australia, which is really important. Housing costs, etc. The state of the housing market. And you used to put a tick or a cross based yeah. on the data that was out at the time. Now... I just thought we might do that again, and, and maybe you could just put ticks and crosses because because yeah. to me I, I don't think I I used to check this every month, <laughs> and I remember saying Sean Armour when he was the boss there. I yeah. said Sean, Kukulos never gets it wrong. Every time you did it, you got it right. Do you know what, Mark? It was a sim- it's a simple thing. It was the monetary policy checklist. Yeah. So you had a checklist of items, and and sometimes the the items change. You might put in. I don't know, things like motor vehicle sales or the level of the Aussie dollar, but basically these items here, GDP, inflation, unemployment, international affairs, commodity prices and housing uh, pretty much capture what the RBA is targeting with its interest rate changes. And it was always, what are the data telling me? Not what I'm thinking will happen, but what... What's the current data? What's the current data in the bank telling me? Okay, this is really important. This is a little bit visual. We're trying to simplify the Reserve Bank's uh, thought processes in making a decision to either put rates up, keep them steady or reduce. Um, We're going to talk about it, but if you want to see it in a visual form... Go to whyhomeloans.com.au and we'll have it all set out there for you. Okay, let's look at GDP. What GDP. Do you, what do you, would you say? It is GDP? strong. On right. the back of, if your GDP was the only indicator you had, you'd be looking to a high, and let's high put, rates. Let's put a cross against steady and a cross against so re- you wouldn't, reduction. You wouldn't keep and, them steady, nor would you cut interest rates. So GDP is currently above 3.5%, way above the speed limit for the Australian right. so, economy. And so, so people need to know that speed limit, you know, we're talking GDP, the government likes it. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Sorry, the RBA and the Treasury might see somewhere between three and three and a half percent. Ideally, and we're at the top, we're above the top end of that yeah, right now. Yeah, right. So, so the last read on GDP came out was three the point June quarter, three point six year on year, yep. and the quarterly momentum was showing not really any sign of a slowdown. So down. that's a tick. Okay, let's look at inflation. Higher rates because of GDP. Yep. Yep. Oh, inflation. Inflation. Easy. That is. Can I do two ticks? Yes. Because that's currently at 6.1% in annual terms. Yep. The target's two to three. So we're double the top end of the target range. So if inflation is the key indicator, the RBA is hiking. So that's a rise in interest rates. Certainly not steady. Certainly not a re- certainly not a reduction. So that's why we're in the middle of a rate hiking cycle. Unemployment. Uh, unemployment. Look, the, do you know what, Mark? This is the thing that I found really interesting in the last few monthly labour market readings. Employment fell 40,000, only rebounded 33. So two months was slightly negative. Unemployment rate was 3.5, 3.4, 3.5. It stopped falling. And so I'd be moving unemployment. Look, you'd possibly keep it in rise, but it's sort of, I'm going to, I'm going to have a bet each way here. I'd have it in the middle between rise and steady because we know labour market and the unemployment rate's the last thing to move in any interest rate cycle, the fact that we've got five rate hikes in the bag already, and the fact that we haven't had any job creation for the two months, if you average them out, the unemployment rate has stopped falling. Things like job vacancies are topping out a little bit. I'm going to move that to rise steady on the border. Certainly you wouldn't cut rates because unemployment's still nice and low. Right. Um, international affairs. So what's going on in the world? Well, gosh, you know what? I would have them, if you're just looking at the international field, you'd almost put that towards towards reduction. I'm looking at the fact that the US is hiking. Now, you might think, oh, gee, if the US is hiking and all the other central banks are hiking, why haven't you got that in the rate rise column? It's because we know that those economies are slowing. Jerome and they Powell, started earlier than And they started early and they've got them higher. The US Fed funds rate, the same as our cash rates, 3.5%. Right. It's a percent more than ours. Yep, yep. And so their economies on the edge of recession, genuinely on the edge of recession. So is the UK, so is the Eurozone. There's the Russia-Ukraine problem still causing, you know, a huge disruption to the European economy. China's doing it tough. China's locked down still largely. Their, their, uh, what do we call it, the supply chain problems are still there. So if those trends continue, GDP into 2023, this will move further on. We're not there yet. Yep. But what is happening here and now today, stock market's tanking too. Yep. People are losing wealth. They're losing the shirt off their back almost. You know, the Dow in the US is down 20% from the peak. It's a real, real bear market. So I'd have international as steady and maybe inching towards a reduction. 
Commodities, the index. Just expand yeah. the commodity price index. Okay, commodity prices. Yeah, we, we know a lot in Australia about commodities. We're a very important commodities producer. Our mining companies, iron ore, LNG, gas, coal, uh, copper, these sorts of things. We're a big producer. Nickel, of wheat. Lithium even. Lithium. Then you throw in wheat. Then you throw in wool. Then you throw in beef, uh, beef cheese, dairy, all that sort of stuff. What the commodity price index does is get the weighted price in US dollars converted back to Aussie dollars, and it gives an indication of how much money, I suppose, our uh, companies that export are actually making. You know, I'll take a step back. We referred back to the recession we had to have with, in the early 1990s. I'm old enough to remember in 1986, Paul Keating again, colourful with his language, said, uh, we're going to become a banana republic. Yep. Uh, and that's when commodity prices were through the floor. You know, you know, I think the iron ore price back in that day was $2 a tonne. It's 100 bucks today, you know. So when I look at this right now, okay, we've had a commodities boom, but they're coming off. Look at the oil price globally. Look at timber prices, an important part of housing construction. Look at copper prices. You know, people call Dr. Copper. It's the barometer of what's happening in the global economy. I'd say on commodity prices, you know, you'd again, you'd, you'd sort of say steady to a cut. You, look, I'll, I'll, I'll be bold. I'm going to say you'd, if commodity prices were your only indicator, your only indicator of the economy, you'd say, gee, if you, for Australia, we're heading for a tough 2023 because iron ore's below $100 a tonne, oil prices below $80 US a barrel, copper prices are falling, you know, even our agricultural product prices are starting to decline. So, so, so okay, and, and then finally, housing. And housing. The state of the housing market, and that, yeah. that, that sort of goes to business confidence, consumer confidence, a whole lot of stuff. Because if in Australia, if you don't feel like your house value is up, you know, in other words, yeah, you're not making yeah. a shitload of money out of your house. Yeah. You tend to spend less. Yes, and we've had prices. The wealth I think, effect. The yeah, so-called it's wealth, it's effect. wealth effect. Yes, and we know that from Core Logic, uh, the peak to trough currently, the hard data is minus about minus five percent. Sydney's about minus nine, I think it is the last reading. Uh, and we've even seen Adelaide and Perth, which were resilient. They've rolled over now. And the there. Reserve Bank had some words to say about it last week. Yep, they, and based on their figuring, they reckon. Uh, with a two percentage point uh, increase in interest rates, they've already delivered 2.25, by the way, uh, they would see a fifth, other things being equal, they would see a 15% fall in house prices. So we're sort of a third of the way there. And Chris Joy may well be right. He may well be right. We'll see in the next few months. But on this checklist, look, the RBA is not unhappy with falling house prices, particularly when they went up 25%. So I'd say here and now, I'll put that in the steady column, but with a risk that in the next couple of months, if we get monthly declines of one, one and a half percent by say Christmas, I'll move that into the reduction column. So you add up these things, you've got sort of three ticks for rises, one for a reduction, and you've got one plus two halves, so you've got about two in the steady column. So you add them up, well, what's the bias? Another rate rise is the bottom line of my monetary policy. But it sort of tells us, Steve, there's not too many more in the system. Ah, yes. And this is the critical thing, Mark. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Well, on the housing issue, as we said, by so the RBA will probably hike next week. I'm going for 25 basis points, not the 50, because they can see this evolving right now. But in the next couple of months, it might not be the next time we meet, but it might be our December get-together. I reckon housing may well be into the reduction side. I think commodities will stay in the reduction side. International, I think, might be moving that direction. So we're all moving from either rise to steady 
to reduction, unemployment might still be steady because I don't think we're going to get a blowout in unemployment. I just don't think we're getting that improvement. Inflation will still be a problem. Yep. So that stays in the rate rise cycle uh, column. And GDP, we're probably going to get some sort of slowdown coming. We know, we know that you know consumers are spending a little bit less than they were a couple of months ago. So I'd probably move that slightly there. So this is the speculative part as opposed to the hard facts. I reckon we're in the early stages of the RBA thinking, well, hang on, we've got a lot of rate hikes in the pipeline. We've got our checklist showing, yeah, we've got a couple more hikes to deliver. But in by the time we get to December, which is the last board meeting of the year, they take January off. We'll revisit it in February. I reckon by the time we get to February, our checklist here will have most of the items in steady. Probably inflation will still be in the rise column, but the other things will be in steady or reduction, and that means they're on hold. And that means that the bottom line, you've got rise, reduction, most steady, you do nothing. You leave them on hold at, that might be 2.85, might be you know 3.1%, something like that. So, and, and so I, I want to call this the, the, the monetary policy checklist. The and checklist, I think, yes, I, I think mark, could, yep. And if you, if, we, if you and I had done this in April. Yes, oh, yes. All the ticks would have been the in the tick rise would have been column. there. The tick would have been there. The tick would have been there. International was booming. Commodities were high. Yep. Yeah, that, that's when the oil prices. Housing was bucks, out of control. And housing was going up twenty five. And that's why they hiked in May, Correct. June, July. You know, and then and then just slowly. And then this is an evolutionary thing. Yeah. You know, yep. So people say, "Oh, you've changed your mind." So, no, I haven't changed my mind. The data's changed. So you know, when the information changes, like we, a year ago, house prices were going up twenty percent year on year. Now, year on year, they're minus, small minuses, and as we said, minus five percent. So that's changed. The world's changed for housing. Commodities. There's a wonderful chart. If you just Google CRB Index, Commodities Research Bureau Index, CRB Index chart, you'll see this chart of commodity prices. It went up and it's coming down. Worth a look if you've got the if you've got a spare minute. Yeah, so the, 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 and that's interesting because it went up pretty hard yep. after 2010. And, uh, oh, yeah. and and especially in the last couple of years, like during the COVID period, when oh, commodity prices ridiculous, yes. But it has started to come back down. Correct. And the supply chain problems are easing. This this is a bit. I guess viewers of this probably or listening to this might think, oh, what's what do international shipping freight rates mean to me? Well, as an economist who looks at global inflation pressures, we know that one of the supply chain problems that sort of emerged during the COVID lockdowns were freight shipping rates. Uh, went up by fivefold. So anything that you import uh, that went in a shipping container, the cost for the person importing those items, and Australia imports a lot of furniture and products and all the clothing and all this sort of stuff. The shipping costs went up and that was passed on to you and me as a consumer. Yeah, they went up 500%. Correct. And and the critical thing now, Mark, and I'd, I'd almost include this in the commodity cycle, it's down about 60% from so freight. freight costs are down by 60%. Yeah. Uh, freight shipping rates yes. have fallen sharply they're still falling because two reasons uh the, the world economy is slowing so there's not as much shipping going on and the shipping companies added more capacity so there's more yeah. ships sailing around the oceans so i think we should do this every month you're on see we all get a bit carried away about how complicated and it is complex but it's not complicated when you do it like this it makes complete sense as to what part of the interest rate rise cycle we're in Yes, and as you said, if we were here in February, March or April, everything would have been in the rise column and the actual level of interest rates, remember back then, was 0.1%. Yep. So the official rates were coming from basically nothing. Everything would have been in the rise column. Easy. Now that we're in this transition, 
it's getting a little more complicated and that's why the markets are fickle. They're unsure about what the RBA is going to be doing. That's why we have such volatility in relation to stock markets, etc. You bet. Um, but just looking at that at your graph now or your, your table, uh, one last question for you, Steve. Are there any aberrations that could just come around and stuff everything up? Like is it GDP or is it another inflation number? Or is yeah. there anything that you would be worried about? that Because that looks very simple, looks logical, makes sense. Yeah. Is there anything that could completely upset the whole thing and, and take yeah. us back yeah. to a rise? That take us back to a rise. Uh, to be fair, I can't see what about, a rise. All right, what about bring us to reduction? Uh, the, the, if I was to have a bet, I'd be saying that in six months' time, now, that's a little bit further away. I reckon GDP – look, I'm not forecasting recession. I think GDP will be in the steady column. Inflation will still be high, but it might be transitioning a little bit. Unemployment will still probably be nice and low. So I think the, the big items on the economy will be in the steady column. These other ones, the commodity prices, international will be, be lower still. My worry would be actually, Mark, that if we come back in six months' time and the US is in a recession – a genuine recession. The stock market keeps tanking, which costs people lose money when the stock market falls. Unemployment in the US goes from three and a half to four and a half. And if we look at what the some people in the markets are saying, they're saying that the Fed, the US, will cut interest rates in the second half of 2023. Not hike them, cut them. Now, still a few more hikes to go. And if that happens, then I guess this picture will be very different. Uh, for us in Australia too, because as I was saying before, the world economy, the US, is a key driver of sentiment and these numbers on it on this uh, whiteboard. If you give me give me a quick answer, just a couple of minutes, just just for our listeners, the concept of net zero interest rates from the Reserve Bank's point of view—that is, you know, the official rate minus inflation. How does it work? What, what and where do they want it to be? Where, what are they like it set at? In a normal yeah. in a normal world, yeah, not now. Real interest rates are yes, the interest rate. You, you pay or you earn less the inflation rate. So if inflation's 5%, interest rates are 5%, it's zero, or if it's 2%, 2%, interest rates are the same. Real interest rates are zero. You may, in other words, you're not really earning anything. Yeah, you're just keeping up with inflation either on the borrowing or the saving side. Now, what's happening, uh, what the RBA think now, and this is changing, it's a changing feast as we're getting older and we're saving, demographics are changing this thing. They're saying that the real interest rate should be near zero, in the olden days, it used to be plus one, plus two, plus three percent. So it's actually come down because with the aging population, we tend not to spend as much as young people, you know? yeah. <laughs> or maybe other people out there. No, uh, we've accumulated more. But we've accumulated wealth. I don't need to buy a new house. I don't need to buy a new car. I've got one. Mm. You know, if you, if you know what I mean. So what it so what the RBA try to do, and it, it, if, if they had the magic wand and all the rest of it, they would have real interest rates approximately zero, or maybe just slightly positive. So given that the midpoint of the inflation target, 2 to 3%, it's 2.5. Yep. And they would like interest rates to, in real terms to be zero or slightly positive. And this is what Dr. Lowe said just a couple of weeks ago. He was asked a similar question. He said, you know, I think for a neutral cash rate in nominal terms, when, when critical, when we hit our inflation target, uh, would be you know, around about 3%. So that's why I think in in that ideal world, the RBA is happy to hike to, towards 3%. Now, whether it's 2.85 or 3.1, doesn't really matter from their perspective, around 3%. I think that's probably fair, both on borrowers 
Okay, it's higher than it was, but it's not oppressive. It's fair on savers. Okay, you earn an okay return when you stick your money in the bank. That's good. And that's where they want to achieve when the dust settles from the international economy. From in a normalised market. In a normal market. We're not there, but, yeah. you know, we, we were... If you think back um, oh, a, a couple of years before COVID, after the global financial crisis, but before COVID, you know, we had uh, official interest rates around about two and a half, inflation was two and a half, and the economy was doing fine. Yeah, and that's... Now, that's going up a little bit, not much. That's what we call net zero. That's net zero. So. That was the ideal. We did have it occasionally, but, of course, when you get a COVID... Uh, pandemic when you get Russia invading Ukraine, everything's out the window. Okay, so for those people who think that interest rates are going to get reduced, even if the Reserve Bank can get inflation to 2.5%, that's sweet spot, okay? Yep. Inflation 2.5%. Um, but let's say it's 2.5-3%. You're not going to see the official cash rate less than 3%. I doubt it very, very. No, no. In fact, no, you won't. Correct. You, you'll, you'll need, you'll need a, a shock. Yeah. For them to cut it again. So it's so, not. It's so not going to happen. If, if in their first half of 2023 we've got official interest rates at, let's call it three percent, inflation coming back down to two to three percent, unemployment four percent or thereabouts, the RBA is not going to cut. No. It'd need. They're, they're going to say this is it. Happy, happy days. We'll leave where it is. Yes, and I dare say Jim Chalmers as treasurer would be. Jumping up and down. So, so for those for them to cut, you need the unemployment rate to get back to five. You need inflation to go below two yep. percent, and you need GDP to go through the floor. You need, you know, you need these things. You know, GDP recession is not a good thing. So, so for those people who are thinking that there's going to be rate reductions, you know, from where we are this time next year, forget it. Um, yep. We may get some more rate rises um, between here and the end of the calendar year. We might have a break at the beginning of next year. But don't be banking if you're if you're planning. Oh, well, the interest rate's going to come back down. Um, I doubt that very much from where we are right now. If the Reserve Bank keeps inflation range that they like to achieve between two and three percent, that's not likely to happen. Very unlikely. Never say never in this world, but very very unlikely yep. here and now. Okay, Steve Kukulis, what do you reckon is going to be the next rate rise? Just to get you on the hook again. Okay, I reckon they go twenty five basis points in October. I think they'll probably still flag we may need to do one more. We, the RBA, yep. might need to do one or two more. Uh, but I think they're looking at some of these indicators and looking internationally for the pressures on Australia, the fact that the labour market's no longer improving. And they'll say, look, we're almost there. We're almost at neutral. We're almost at net zero given our inflation target. So 25 in October, probably one more 25, be it November or December. I can't say yet. And then I think we pause in the first half of 2023. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to go uh, a little bit against the grain. I reckon they're going to go another half because I reckon they want to kick us kick us hard yep. and just really make sure we're paying attention. Then I think we'll get another 25 and that's it. So I'm going 75 between here and the end of the year. You're saying I'm going 70... 50, 50 between here and the end of the year. Okay, right, yep. so we'll see how we go. Bet your cup of coffee. See you, mate. Thanks, mate. If you want to hear more from me and Kooky, or get yourself educated about the property market, jump over to whyhomeloans.com.au or check the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to The Mentor. Audio and production is by Jess Morley. And production assistants, Jonathan Leondis. 